Is she really going out with him? the single that started it all, at least in the UK. This week marks the 40th anniversary of the first UK punk rock single, New Rose by The Damned. That was preceded by The Sex Pistols and the B-side to God Save the Queen, 1977, Did You Know Wrong? Before that, punk rock from right here in San Francisco, Housecoat Project from the album Girl Fiend, uh, released in 1989. That was Kiss Me. And we began with The Nuns, at least Jennifer Miro at the electric keyboard with the infamous Lazy. Well... My lateness today was not due to any laziness, so I won't take responsibility for that, but I will say I brought you some Elizabeth Cotton.
say the blues I've got a right to feel low down And I've got a right to hang around Down by the river But I've got a gal in this old town She keeps dragging my poor heart around And at all I see is misery I've got a right to feel low down I've got a right to hang around I've got a right to sit inside Down by the river But I know the deep blue sea will soon be calling me. Then you can say what you choose. I've got a right to say the blues. I've got a right to sing the blues, as I imagine some of you do as well. That set began with two selections from the Elizabeth Cotton album, Freight Train and Other North Carolina Folk Songs and Tunes, released in 1958. We heard the instrumental Spanish Flang Dang and When I Get Home. That was followed by Elizabeth Cotton's best-known composition, Freight Train, brought to you by Ani DeFranco with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. That's a selection from an album named Preservation. It was a benefit uh, put together by various artists for the Preservation Hall Music Outreach Program. came out in 2010. So Ani DeFranco there fronting the... Preservation Hall Jazz Band, and staying down in New Orleans, Doc Cheatham and Nicholas Payton from their duo album released in 2005, Doc Cheatham and Nicholas Payton, they gave us I Got a Right to Sing the Blues. Speaking of New Orleans, I did go see the Cookers last Saturday at Yoshi's and found the alto sax position is now in place with Donald Harrison, and he is a New Orleans guy. (laughs) ¶¶ 
You may recognize that melody. That was indeed Ico Ico, or as it's credited here, Heiko Heiko, Donald Harrison on the alto and tenor saxophone from his album Indian Blues. I can thank my sister Stephanie for that one too. She took me shopping in Chicago earlier this year and I was able to find that CD. Uh, very hard to find on the Candid label, which is no longer in print, I don't believe. So Donald Harrison there with a little New Orleans jazz. We got to wrap up today's short ride on the morning train. So as we move towards the station, here is Gladys Knight and the Pips. In every
never be mine. Angel Olsen from her new album, My Woman, You'll Never Be Mine. That was preceded by Gladys Knight and the Pips, their first chart single, 1961, with every beat of my heart. And that is it for today's ride on the morning train. Thank you for joining me. And until we ride again, hopefully at 10 a.m. next Friday, this is J.D. Buell saying, make it a great day for someone. Sex is obscene Then we got it twisted In this lucid dream Baptized in boundaries Schooled in sin Divided by difference Sexuality and skin Oh, so we can hate each other other we can build these walls Call the Kalaya, I shall 
चल 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 कर चल चल मल आगे चल आगे चल नहीं बोल तबू चल ओरे माझे कैन होली आज विमना
Hello and welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val sitting here with Diamond Dave. Hi, Diamond Dave. Hey, Val. So good to be here. It's a rainy day in San Francisco. It is. Well, wherever you happen to be, take a look out the window or even walk outside. Baby, it's a rainy day in San Francisco, but the sun is going to be coming out soon. So good to be here. We have a brother named Lorenzo McKeezy. Hey, Lorenzo. He's going to be playing the accordion. He's already. We're going to start with. We're going to. We're going to begin with, of course, Bloodflower, and then Lorenzo, and then we're going to come. He's also an author, and he's in high school, and we're going to have a conversation. If all that's all right, I'm looking forward to it. So let's take it away, Bloodflower. I like. I like Lorenzo's hat too. Oh yeah, stylish. Here we go. Bloodflower. Uh, and Val, we're now accordion. That was kind of a pre-accordion uh, kind of music, too. It was. It was a preclude, pre-clude. to an accordion with that pre-accordion. melodica. And here would be Lorenzo 
on the accordion. He's going to do a couple songs, and then we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, and Lorenzo, Lorenzo is, uh, like we said, Dave, he's in high school still. He's a senior this year, um, but uh, uh, a young man of many talents. So I know he's been playing the accordion since he was 10 um, and then started playing around, or since he was 7, pardon me, uh, and uh, started playing around North Beach restaurants and clubs as a kid. So um, it's a real treat to have him in here today. And um, so, Lorenzo, uh, welcome to Mutiny Radio. And I bet he's also a science fiction fan. (laughs) We'll talk about it. If I see one of us. Welcome. If you go ahead and take it away.
Yes. Hey, Lorenzo. Hey, Lorenzo. Take your accordion off, leave it on the stage, and then come in here. Because we're also going to tell you he's a many fascinated human being. One, one is being a published author, and we talk about his books, plus, 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 plus. Have you seen? It's a beautiful book. I know. I mean, okay, so, so I first um, became aware of Lorenzo uh, Lucchese when I, I opened up the SI Genesis Quarterly magazine because he and I, well, he currently attends the same high school that I graduated from uh, a few years ago. And um, he had been featured, and, and I said, well, now this is an interesting young person so um it was really I, I said i would love to have him come on to the show and then um happened to just run into him actually the the night of the mayoral election i was i was i believe i was wearing my kind of um uncle sam hat uh running around to the various uh, election parties and and there you were standing outside of the bar because you're not 21 yet um for angela aliotto's um election night party and i said i know who you are and here we are finally here at mutiny radio lorenzo welcome thank you val i'm glad to be on the show glad to have run into you that very spontaneous night at miss aliotto's party <laughs> well spontaneity is the way it works if you're open to it that's one of my core beliefs that it's that everything is indeed connected so it's good to see you lorenzo hey what was it what were the two numbers uh, you just played well, the first one was a song called Luce Ombre. It was originally a French composition, but was gradually incorporated into Italian music. Um, the idea is light and shadow, so you'll notice there's a lot of scales going up and down the keyboard, so those are supposed to be representative. Just so you can envision shadows going down a sidewalk, and it's supposed to be a very melodic, French, very impassionate nice. tune, love song almost. And the second song I played was... It was a medley of two of classic Italian songs, emblematic of San Francisco's North Beach, where I spent um, most of, well, a lot of my life since I grew up in the Excelsior, but spent a lot of time playing down there. Uh, o Marie was a, a song loved by many, and uh, <laughs> an older Italian woman, I'll say. And, and also La Mio is, is, a, is a favorite. That was one of my first big tip earners when I was still little, making the ones, five, ten dollar bills, walking around the streets of North Beach at the age of seven. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I know. I, I was listening to you, and I felt like I was, you know, sitting on the, the edge of the Arno or something, or, you know, or in a little French cafe, perhaps in Paris. Um, so thank you for, for bringing all of that musicality here uh, to Mutiny Radio and into our community space. But those restaurants in North Beach, I believe I know the ones you mean, the Italian restaurants in North Beach, which have been uh, many have been around for many many years, you know. Uh -huh. I first got there in 1957, so that's a long time ago. So to be part of what soon we were called the Beatniks. So I was really interested in, uh, in the book that you wrote, uh, called the North Beach Story. Why don't you let's begin? Tell me, tell us a bit about that, and how you you, uh, you overheard the stories. Tell me more. Tell me more about the book got together. Well, well, my accordion and my writing careers, if you want, like to call it that, um, they've been they're very intertwined with each other. So I first started going up there at the age of seven because my godfather, who owned the late Cafe Puccini, Puccini uh, okay. due to a, a fire recently, it has been unfortunately closed down. But it's, mm. it was been there since the 1970s so I grew up going to North Beach a lot and and naturally as I was up there and and after I'd stop playing sit down for a cup of coffee you'd meet what are known as well at least the remainder of the beat generation uh, people Diamond Dave's age um, 
uh, people who knew maybe perhaps knew Jack Kerouac or Allen Ginsberg personally. And overhearing the stories, I decided to craft that little novella. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it because you got to remember it's like it's my memories. And of course, I was there, and it was Herb Cain, who was a columnist for the, for the Chronicle, way back that everybody would read. And he invented this thing called three dots, uh, three dots journalism, where he'd have a line or two and then three dots, and I'd lie about something totally different. And he was the one who first began calling him this beatniks. That was 1957. Now, your dad's here. Hey, Dad. Hello, Dave. No. Hello, Val. Welcome, uh, Franco. So this is a freewheeling conversation. <laughs> jump in. But, but you began to hear there, because I'd like to respond to that, that there had been some kind of verbal battles or face-off between the indigenous Italian population. Of course, it was, that was right across Broadway and Columbus from Chinatown. Which was, which was originally Italian, and then the comings of the beats, and it, did you hear that there was conflict? And I'd like to be just, uh, tell us, give us your own picture of the story. As you read it. Oh, oh, to give you the, the, the whole story on, 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 on what's known as can it be my first novella, The Battle for North Beach, and my only novella thus far, about about a hundred pages, extremely easy read, and I'm in the spirit of Herb Cain. There, <laughs> there is um, quite a, quite a lot of humor in there. Uh, one of the one of the beginnings of my idea to craft this book came out with, you know, you see a lot of the older, you know, beatniks, older poets especially, you know, one cup of coffee, <laughs> and and they're known for taking up table space for three hours. Well, that's what the twists were. It was no, and I'm guilty of that too. Well, I hope but, so. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and, and that was the, that was the beginning conflict in in the battle for North Beach, which was that the, it was the Italian restaurateurs versus the beatniks. And it was, you know, these two opposing forces, because one is so much more traditional and conservative than the other, and one is, of course, these people who have come from all across the country to gather in this one place. And, of course, it's exaggerated because there really wasn't a battle for North Beach. Um, perhaps there was a symbolic battle, but certainly not a physical one. And the protagonist in that story, um, it came from... It's a story based on this man who came from Iowa, so like many of the B generations wanting to escape. Uh, Minnesota, in my case. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So, so, so you know it. Uh, it's the quintessential beat story. You just said it. You know, someone. I had my thumb out. <laughs> someone, you know, wants to escape. You know, whatever side to tells them they want to be, and they come out to North Beach, and you know, of course, there's some influences like drugs and alcohol and stuff, but it's ultimately a quest for identity, and it's from this perspective of one of these guys who's beginning to get old in North Beach society, and he's taking up the uh, the life and rituals of a of an older San Franciscan, and now he's he's witnessing this conflict go on, you know, and in flames between the North Beach and North Beach is ultimately burned down in the end of this book. Again, you can take that metaphorically, but it's a, it's an insight. It's um, the best imagination of an imaginated San Francisco era gone by. <laughs> wow. And, and that was your first book, a novella, as you called it. Yeah, at, at, age, at age 11. At age 11. <laughs> Dude, so this is so we, did you grow up? Did your dad, your mom help you, encourage you to become a big reader? Was reading what you did a good share of your, when you were playing and learning to play the... Oh, well, re reading was certainly critical. critical. But, but, you know, it was, 
It was both of my parents. You know, my teacher had always said, you know, eventually when you're older, someday you'll be playing gigs sometime. And I always figured that was when maybe I was 30, 40 years old. But when I was 10, you know, 11, I, I got invited by a restaurant tour up in North Beach. His name was, he was, he was the former owner of Frankino Restaurant on Columbus, right next to Mona Lisa Restaurant. Mm. He has unfortunately left us. But that was the beginning of my career. My dad said, you, you know, you should form a Yelp page. And now through the years, I find myself two to three times a week, especially for the October fest season going all across the bay area and um and with the books too with the with the books too he gave me a lot of support and gave me some ideas and but you know he was the one who encouraged me i had to go get a u.s copyright get an isbn and kind of navigate the process myself Wow, and so you're self-printed out there, but you can be, can be found in, through Amazon, is that right? Yeah, through Amazon and other mediums, such oh, as I, have a lot of books. I, I sell it at, you know, Dog-Eared Books in the Mission, Adobe Bookstore over Adobe, on 24th course. Street. I believe I have some over at Folio, uh, the Beat Museum, of course. Oh, and yeah. I'm still working on, on getting it over to City Lights, but um, of course they're on Amazon, and occasionally during the June Book Fair at Cafe Trieste, that's the most, that's wow. the that's where I'm most easily accessible. Well, you'd be an amazing human being. Now this is this latest, which is over. Well, you, this is you're working. You're working on your fourth one, your fourth book. Uh, but you've you've written you've written three and and then some so far. So um, the battle for North Beach, uh, which we were just talking about, and then. Um, this one that we have in our hands called Diarrhea of a Black Man, um, <laughs> co-authored by Lorenzo here um, and Bradley Haynes. What is this? Th- so this is a relationship that, that, that you've met um, th- this man and worked together to, to put this book together to tell his story, yes? That's correct. <laughs> tell us a little um, bit about this man and, and, and how you um, came to um, befriend him in such a way. Uh, well, like most of my uh, people that I encounter, like even you, Val, it was really, really just that spontaneous moment. I, I met him at the Cafe Trieste. Um, uh, that was one night, St. Patrick's Day of March. And I, um, he was in front of the Cafe Trieste. I had just put my accordion down and he said, I say, yes, he said, where's the party? <laughs> and that was kind of our opening line. And, you know, I had some family who had lived in the Midwest a long time ago, so I was really curious about Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee history. So I had read up about that, and we had, had managed to have a fairly nice conversation about So I kind of understood some elements of what he grew up in. And so... I jokingly said, semi-jokingly, I suppose, looking back in retrospect, that I should write your biography. (laughs) (laughs) And two weeks later, I sent him an email. I said, Bradley, you know, meet me at the Cafe Trieste. And I said, we'll we'll see what happens. And I was a little, (laughs) I played played around with him a little bit because we sat at the table where Coppola had written The Godfather. (laughs) And I said, we're at a table with a long literary legacy. (laughs) I said, hopefully we can follow through with that tradition. So what he would do is every weekend or whenever he was writing on Bart to get to work, he would he would send me recordings, MP3 recordings of a little bit of his life, and of course we made a mod- modifications here and there, nothing too big, mostly changing other people's names to protect their privacy. But it's a really interesting story because there's not written from this, not not much written from this perspective about this particular time in Midwest history. And g- give us a little synopsis of. Um why his story is so, uh, you know, compelling. Let me, let me, before you do, I'm going to do a couple of sentences. Oh, good. And you go from there. Detroit's Northwest Side. Began working at the Detroit Park and Rec 
the Ford Assembly Plant, of course, Detroit, and Michigan Bell. He's always been a recording artist, a sous line chef, a hippie, a truck driver, a casino worker, a drug dealer, a psychotechnic, a computer security expert, a network system administrator, and project designer. Spent time in Susansville State Penitentiary. I have friends who are there witnessing attacks and murder. So you summed all of this up, eh? This is the paragraph that you helped sum up what it already been. That's correct. So you had to say, you had to do a little bit of research in all of these various things so you could ask intelligent questions. Well, well so many of some of these quite exotic professions, um, you know, I did, especially as he went into information technology, and that was the resurrection of his life. That's where he's at now, living over in the East, residing in the East Bay. Um, but, you know, a lot of research was involved because I incorporated a lot of history. And well, it wasn't just biography. I wanted to explain to the readers exactly what was going on during that time. And of course, he has some powerful anecdotes to back some of that history up. Uh, but there was a lot of explanations I had to do, a lot of definitions and parentheses, and kind of help people understand exactly what was going on in this man's life. And what was his take on it? Once he, he said, here it is, here it is, he's in the manuscript, here it is, uh, Bradley, what do you think? And then he, he, he did a little writing in between, in between the lines, and it came together. That's amazing, brother, and you're a high school student. Well, <laughs> uh, you, you probably get that a lot. <laughs> uh, I imagine. Uh, I wish we had camera again. This <laughs> would be good. Go ahead, brother. I think Dave's asking about, you know, um, kind of the, the once it got towards the end and, and you had this manuscript in hand, like giving, you know, now now Bradley has it in his hand. Well, it, it's kind of interesting. You know, I can invite some, uh, some of your listeners to think about what if you have your entire life story written in 250 pages? Of course, there must be a lot going through your mind. But I had a lot of people say, um, through, you know, my, my style of writing is a little more historical. History is one of my favorite genres. Again, we can go back to the Battle of North Beach alternate history, alternate historical fiction. And um, I got a lot of people who said it sounded like it was told from the diction of an old black minister in the South because of its writing style. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, it's interesting. You look back at your life and you see it's finally told in story form and you don't really think about it that way when you're wow. growing up. You know, it's a day-to-day -day basis. You're in first person. But now you have someone who's taking your life from you. What a blessing. <laughs> of course, don't take that too far. Um, <laughs> Not literally. No. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Science fiction. But in a beautiful literary way. Well, yeah. we'd like to hear some of it. I'm sure that our vast uh, company of listeners out there would say, let them read some. So do you have a particular spot you'd like to read? Oh, sure. Your choice. I was just reading a paragraph or two. I was catching you. Well, I, we do have a quote in the back of the book, which if one of some of your listeners do buy it, they can see that's at the very top. Uh, I had my cover artist. He wrote this line. It takes more than luck to stay alive. Mm, <laughs> but, uh, but, this, but the quote in the back is taken directly out of the book. Um, I'll go ahead and read it before I perform some analysis. The dilemma at hand wasn't merely physical, it was a life's worth of emotions that were pouring out of his frail, frigid body which lay baking on the ground beneath the warmish 
Michigan sun. His unshaven beard rubbed up against the warm sidewalk while his forehead lay dripping with the last bits of sweat which would ever be seen out of Mr. Jenkins. His hand, legs, and feet were the stillest, most serene I'd ever seen them. His lack of movement brought out a peaceful calmness which I had never seen anyone in, not even my father who would sit quietly composing his music. I knew that he was in a better place. The day Ronald Michael and I came into Motown Liquors to buy some canned food and steal a shopping cart, I couldn't help but notice the pain and humdrumness which filled every vein of Mr. Jen Mr. Jenkins' body. His facial muscles were not composed of tissues or capillaries, instead pain, distress, and sadness. His death had been in the making for years, but as he prepared himself for heaven, his store rated itself to be another open, empty lot, which would become one of thousands in, in Detroit, Michigan. Wow, empty lots, Detroit, Michigan, whole neighborhoods emptied out. He alluded to it. Well, that's some writing, brother. And what did Bradley think when he read that? He must have been had his mind blown in a good way. <laughs> what? Uh, well, 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 certainly some of his family members. I mean, there are a few details in the book which we kind of had to change. Well, uh, right. We won't go into those right now. Exactly. But his, of course, his family was thinking uh, kind of that same reaction when you say, "Oh wow, you're a millionaire. Where's the money?" That's <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, mostly jokes like that. But his family was very proud. You know, his mother always told them two things: uh, one is to build the house and to write a book. Uh, those were, I, you know, in his tradition, he was members of the Black Masons, Prince Hall Freemasons. Um, those were two key, you know, elements of his life that he had to fulfill. And hmm. as, in his words, we've done one of those things, which is write the book. Wow. And, and now see, you're going to help him build the house. Yeah, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Okay, we'll build that <laughs> house when we get there. Build that house when we get there. Nice, Dave. <laughs> nice. I did that sometimes. Good bridge. But oh, that. man. Well, look, that's so amazing. So you plan, I have a couple, so what do you think now? You're about to graduate high school this year, is that right? That's correct, in, in June. And where, where do you go again? I go to St. Ignatius College Preparatory. Uh, Val here is an alumni as well, and as well as my father, so 75% of this room. That's right. And that's right across the road from, uh, from City College. No, no it's, it's down that's on Sunset Boulevard. It's down the hill. Okay. Yeah, it's well, out. So it's over there. It's in. Let's go west. Well, Palin, been <laughs> City College. Right. But now Palin is now Frida Kahlo. Did you see that? They did change the name and to Frida Kahlo. Way. Frida Kahlo. If you, if you, if you want to send a letter to, to City College, say I'm thinking about going there. Whatever. I, I'm interested in this. It's on. It's not on Palin any longer. It's now called Frida Kahlo. Well, it's speaking to a, a, a great um, forward thinking in, on the behalf of San Francisco and looking to celebrate artists as we do here at Mutiny Radio. Um, I want to talk for, if, if we may, to Please. about your other book, um, the book that, you know, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a book I wanted to write, um, American Advent. So, you, uh, did you, so American Advent, you went and actually interviewed people around the country during or people from around the country, at least, during the 2016 election to kind of investigate some of the divisions that we were seeing. How did you write this book? What was that all about? Yeah, well, a after I had f was finished writing The Battle for North Beach, you know, I was idle for a while trying to put together some sort of draft of something, and there, there was really not, not a ton going on at that time that really was very, <laughs> that gave me a lot of inspiration for those years between the ages of 11 and 16. Um, so, you know, I stayed in school, good thing. <laughs> and then the 2016 presidential election uh, came around, and, you know, there's a... Th that that kind of that created an America that you know you know we're still dealing with today and 
it's changed the lives of a lot of people, needless to say. And uh, I had a lot of encouragement from my mother. That's that's right. I had a lot of encouragement from from my mother for this certain this particular this project in particular because she encouraged me to reach out to people and says, you know, there's there's all these segments of the country. You know, there's really is no one definition of America. Uh, you know, you should go out there and explore it. So, you know, a lot of I had a lot of tons of encouragement from her, and I um, and I began this project. So, what I would do is, um, there's a lot of the comment sections of Facebook posts where um, uh, have become notorious for people strangers complaining with each other, <laughs> which is ludicrous. <laughs> um, but in those articles, let's say I liked a, a certain senator's page from any state, I'd look through the comments, and there'd be people there expressing their opinion. So what I would do is I would message them, and I'd say, you know, would would you be bold enough to share your opinions with me? And you know, I I change your name, but I I would tell your story. Um, how should wow. I say, in, in third-person point of view. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a collection of roughly 12 stories from each hour of Election Day, counting down different sentiments all across the country. Wow. Gathered from people from a variety of professions, variety of backgrounds, all weaved together to produce uh, you know, an outcome that was, wasn't believed by many. So, and the archives of this is available somehow. You've kept all that, all the letters you got, all the emails you got, all the people who answered, who reached out to you because you reached out generally to them. That's correct. Um, <laughs> well, you know, of course, I had to ask permission. Uh, Love it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, no, but it was very fun. I mean, I, I had so many different people. One was a head of a car a car cruiser club in Little Rock, Arkansas, who had known Bill Clinton personally. And he lived only two blocks away from Bill Clinton's home when he was a, the attorney general of the state of Arkansas. Another guy I had was a retired German lawyer in Milwaukee. Um, farmer in New Mexico and Las Vegas, wow. not not Las Vegas, Nevada, Las Vegas, New Mexico, like Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had a photographer who lived in rural western Pennsylvania. Wow. And it, it, so many different perspectives all put together. And sometimes, you know, you attach your own feelings to a candidate and a win for someone might win a loss for someone else and it, it may not even make any sense at all. Hmm. Well, I, well, I, I, I want to get a copy of American Advent. Wow. And well, I, I, so I know that all of your books are available on Amazon, but then um, is this one also in some local bookstores too? Yeah, that one you can also find at, at Dog-Eared Books, and I believe Adobe should have uh, a, a few things on hand. Yeah, but but, but Amazon too, of course. Um, uh, the books have ended up at various bookstores throughout the city. Those are just good. two I can name, but they're but they're scattered good. out throughout San Francisco. Sir. Now you're holding skills. You're holding some skills doing this. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm saying open mouth how you put the advent together, and the people you found. Now we're heading for. I'm saying the perspective of my age, what's going to be politically one of some of the most interesting times that is America's yet see. The possibility that I'm a president, and here's what you, you my line, I say uh, Trump, and I've been said this months before he was elected. I said, Trump, you've heard me say that, Bill, I think he's going from the White House to the jailhouse. <laughs> and here we live at a time when that could well happen. And using these skills... That you've honed, that you've honed, writing the advent. I suggest you keep close to your keep close to your chest, stand right in, and see what can evolve out of these interesting times. Of you, a high school senior, are you a high school senior, now looking forward, looking ahead at these generations ahead of you, to see what could be what's what's going to come out. 
Is that something? Have you thought of that? Is that something you would consider, maybe? Well, well I know, I know you, you're, you know, you're alluding to a lot of activity that's been going on at the top level of this country. But what American Advent really, oh, yeah. really focused on was, yeah, exactly. What, what's going on right here? I mean, who are the people who sign their pens and cast their ballots? Mm-hmm. You know, who's who? That changes. That makes a swing state what a swing state is. You know, obviously, it was a great learning experience for me. Well, you're learning. And, uh, yeah, and, and you're learning, and uh, this will be, emer- so be emerging, and there's so many social skills, social media skills you have that you can begin to reach out, and I'd like to see the ad- Advent, the new beginning, <laughs> volume two. Well, well, the, 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 the advent, the advent in the title American Advent, a title created by myself and my mother, again, who provide a lot of support, which is, you know, it's, it alludes to the, the time of the, the succession of poll closings. So first you have Indiana, then Kentucky, then you have Florida, wow. Virginia, and they go down. So the advent is each and every successive hour leading to a significant event. Oh, I thought the spiritual mm. political sense, but now I get it literally. Well, this is uh, so the second advent coming up with your mom and your dad and you. If your mom listening, you can say, hey, mom, how's it going? <laughs> I can say, hi, mom, and <laughs> say whatever you like here. This is free speech, free speech. Hi, mom. Uh, oh, hi, mom. You know, I, I know you're listening from home. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hey, mom. Thank you for everything. I know you're... <laughs> Val's waving over to you from over here in the Mission District, over to the Excelsior. Uh, well, you know, thank you for everything. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're the reason I'm up here today, and the reason why I've, you know, excelled. You know, it takes more than instructors in school. It takes a good, it takes a good family household, as, as a lot of us will tell us. Well, I can feel it, brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is podcast. I don't know if you, this uh, podcast too. This means that shortly after we finish this, you gotta go this, and the show's over, this will be on, and you can listen to yourself. You can go to mutinyradio.fm. Yeah, and right into the podcast archive, and you'll find us there. Our show you're listening to is Common Thread Collective. Um, So, I know we're making you do a lot of work today, so you already went to a full day of school. But but this it seems like we have a great opportunity to kind of review a lot of a lot of your the body of work at least that we're talking about today. So you you've done um, you've done uh, historical fiction with the Battle for North Beach. Mm-hmm. You've done uh, biography, uh, you know, biographical narrative um, with uh, diarrhea of a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done American Advent where it's similar uh, of reaching out and using taking other people people's voices but then writing about uh these people's voices and now you've been working on a, a, a non-fiction book about coney island uh, of staten island which staten they're right island. next door to I'm each sorry. other I, I, island I, I'm, I'm showing my californianness <laughs> right now borough. staten island it, it, forgive it, it, me it's a stone's throw away across, okay. across you can actually see it from staten thank island thank you for making me feel better about that uh, oh yeah <laughs> um, go ahead tell us about it well the the idea began with um I had always wanted to write a nonfiction, you know, piece of literature, 
and I um what happened was you know I was in school and I was inspired because in, in schools nowadays they have what's called the, the advanced placement the AP curriculum and what it is is it's the history of the Americas from a little bit before from the American Revolution all the way till the 1990s and you know these you know the college board expects teachers to cover this within a year uh, so there you know that as you can imagine that really doesn't allow much time to go in detail into everything right. so I saw something a project like this didn't know what it was yet uh, to fulfill that that niche I saw for chronicling really specific parts of the United States and um, I had heard about Staten Island before. Mm -hmm. it, it has the largest concentration of Italian Americans in the United States, about 250,000 Italian Americans. That's like that's a little over a quarter of San Francisco. You can imagine all, all Italians. And um, so, I, you know, I, I like to use Google Maps. And for some reason, I was hovering around there looking at different oh, town names, thought it was really beautiful. And one day I said to myself, well, maybe this is something to explore. Excuse me. And little by little, you know, I, I had to call cold call people. Maybe I read about them in a newspaper article. They were featured in a little radio station wow. like like Mutiny Radio over here in San Francisco. Maybe someone had written a book about their family and I saw them in it. I began making the first calls. Uh, word of mouth, uh, more sophisticated techniques, started reaching out to people on Facebook, <laughs> like I had for American Advent, so I had a little bit of experience with outreach, community outreach. And I, I, I've gathered this whole story, and it's told from Native Islanders. We have a lot of politicians in the book, uh, activists, you know, from people who want education reform, restaurateurs, uh, business owners, and everyday people who've even moved away to the sunnier shores of, let's say, Florida or, or New Jersey. So it's a whole story weaved in one from personal testimony like American wow. Advent, mixed in with history because no one has attempted to write this, this kind of book about Staten Island, so it's really taken me hours looking on the archives, trying to dig up information and kind of piecemealing everything together. Did you spend any time in, uh, in Staten Island? I spent a week. <laughs> a week? For, for the summertime, and you know, I, I had never been there before. Wow. And, this, and so when I went finally... Welcome went, to the streets of Staten Island. Why did you want to go to Staten Island? Well, because he, he, he pretty well answered that. He answered that. This is Mutiny Radio, so we do have a peanut gallery. So uh, it's all part—it's all part of the fun. He did answer that pretty much. Well, go ahead, brother. Tell us about Because uh, I saw a lot of the pictures yeah, from yeah. from your trip to Staten Island because you and, and your dad went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I so dragged him along. <laughs> but it, 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 it was a one-week extravaganza. I met with a lot of the people who I interviewed, and you know, I would get maybe six of us together for breakfast, lunch, or dinner at any one time. Just people who maybe they knew each other maybe they didn't and we'd all gather around the table and we'd tell and they would, they, they would they would tell their stories about growing up and you know it you know, people like to talk about little Italy's in America. I mean, Staten Island in the 1940s was Italy. So it brings us back to the the origins of Neapolitan life on the island. You look at, you know, most of the signs were in Italian. A lot of the pioneers were in Italian. Um, of course, the telephone was invented on Staten Island by an, by an Italian who was expatriated there from Italy. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's uh, so. Now, now, so this has been coming together. It's as much as come. Do you have a bunch of loose, loosely folders? You have a study as some place where you do your writing. 
some place where like we have a study we have like loosely formed folders <laughs> and newspaper articles and sketch words and well, paragraphs well it, and, it, it, I, we want to find how organic your process yeah your be. process yeah well, well it's organized quite in, in the beatnik fashion <laughs> um, you know I, I, I would take I notes take notes on paper and pen you know people are talking you know at rapid pace so you, you have to jot down <laughs> you know usually in about a week I can do four to five interviews and they usually take about two hours on the phone of course I sort through you know what's what stands out from those interviews that I put in the book mm-hmm. although I make a promise to everyone that they are going to be going into the book you know I want to honor their families and I want to like I said I want to try and be as specific as possible so basically what the book's about is it starts with some of the origins because Staten Island was notable for being susceptible to development. A lot of developers wanted to come in, uh, build their shopping malls, and build uh, kind of what Saramani looks like in its surrounding community. Um, but there's a whole area of the northern shore which was like mm-hmm. pretty much like a quaint little Italian village, especially some of the beach colonies like where Catholic activist Dorothy Day lived there. Dorothy and, Day? Yeah. <laughs> that was the, uh, the Catholic worker. That's, that's uh, the... Okay, go ahead. She she had a summer bungalow actually in a Spanish an, anarchist her. colony on well, Staten Island. Left, went to Greenwich Village, where she where she joined the anarchist communist anarchists and so on. Met Amos began putting up the Catholic worker, and uh, putting people up Christie Street, and. Uh, uh, and I think that's really interesting. You should have her, that you're going to have her in your book, Dorothy Day. Yeah, she's got a page and a half mixed in with the Spanish anarchist vegetarian society. Okay. And that's where that's where she resided on Staten Island. And she, she was living life all the bohemian, actually, in Greenwich Village before she, of course, she converted to God. But but that's in only one, that's one of many stories in, in, this, in this whole collection of really powerful narratives. So you're going to have photographs, too? Oh yeah, I, I'm planning on putting in lots of photographs, yeah. and it's it's going to be, uh, you know, at least to my standard, somewhat professional because I'll be adding an index and, you know, bibliography, and the cover's already pretty much done. Uh, the, I guess I can spoil the title: Staten Island, like it or not. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's a great sassy title. Very I frank. Like how, Bur- it, how Borough Five kept its soul alive. That, that's Z. the subtitle. Oh, and that's wow. what they call now long-form nonfiction. Is what they call. What's it called? Long form nonfiction. And when I'm thinking, what I want to say and say, oh, but wow, look who's here, is I'm going to see an article. Let's see if we put this in pencil seeds now. This would be mind blowing. That you have an article from your book of Staten Island, people can, uh, in the New York New Yorker magazine. Let's see if we can step up that far. You read the New Yorker, see they have their own style, long form nonfiction, and see what, and, uh, an interesting New Yorker style story about Staten Island for the New Yorker would be amazing. And it'll be first in the long line of, of New York canonical literature. Canonical literature. Canonical, my yeah, goodness. There's you know books about Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens. Thousands and thousands of books. Perfect. Staten Island. Maybe you're talking about five books. Not even that. Interesting. Uh, most of them are older. You know, books of family, really reference books. So this is mm-hmm. this is going to be something that's going to be narrative. Con- con- yeah, exactly. Long form nonfiction, narrative. Wowzy. 
Well, you're biting off a hell of a lot. You're an amazing human being. And you're going to take this. Now, now it's time. These books, you well, it's solid. It's got published. It's got solid publishing itself. And they're beautiful. But so this book, you can really begin to shop around and see if you can find a publisher who'd be interested in a book by a young fellow such as you or a fellow such as you or a human being such as you about, about would rise and fall in the, the book itself, Staten Island. That, that's correct, and, and I've I've learned the hard way that you know unless you're someone like Stephen King, you know you, you really have to be in a community of local writers. That's why I'm grateful to stations like Mutiny Radio, you know, showcasing local talent, love it. Uh, local talent, Branson, Missouri. <laughs> uh, I, those two are synonymous with okay. each other in my mind. But uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's that's what's so wonderful. Um, that one of the things that keeps me, you know doing mutiny radio uh, as long as i have um is that there really is a very supportive community of writers you know whether it be nonfiction or prose or poetry in, in san francisco and in the greater bay area um, that really comes together and celebrates uh one another and um so i'm so happy that you've joined us here at mutiny radio obviously You've got a great start, <laughs> to and, and to, as an understatement. <laughs> now you see the kind of thing can be done here, and so you now put your mind another way. How can you relate to what we do? As, this is called the Common Thread Collective, the show. And that comes to these four lines that came to me from the Spirit. You might have heard it. It goes like this. We would all say, cast a wide net, find the common thread, let life flourish. Don't panic. Just, Just keep, keep it, it organic. organic. So that's what, about what you're about. Do you read a lot of science fiction? No, well, well, well now I, nowadays I haven't been reading much of anything. In, in fact, I'm losing I'm, my prescriptions gone down a lot. <laughs> focusing on this on this book wow. really oh, for f- five hours, you know, all week, and it, it, it takes a lot of five work. And, and, yeah. and for 14 months now, it's you know I've I've had a lot of you know gas in me energy, <laughs> uh, you know, to trying working on this project, and now I'm I'm slowly easing toward the end, probably wow. by before the end of the school year, and then I'll and we'll see what the future holds. Wow, what the future holds. Speaking of it, I, uh, well, have you have you begun to apply? Are you applying to go to various colleges now? Oh yeah, I, I've I've been I've applied to several colleges, seven seven, you know, across the country in total. Uh, hope, hoping to for Stanford University, I was I was deferred there recently, um, but with Mutiny Radio behind me, now I'm it's guaranteed Absolutely. acceptance. Well, well, how about a college? That's right. We're uh, going to steer the co- ship right towards college. Yeah, how about one in Staten <laughs> Island? Is there a college in Staten your, Island? We'll be your crew. Stanford, Harvard uh, level college. What's the closest one in Staten Island? Well, there's Susan Wagner College. There, there's another. There's another technical school. Um, but m- most of them were life to other universities I in the see. New York area, of which there are many phenomenal ones. Phenomenal. But, but but see, they're, they're very practical on Staten Island. You know, it, it's an old it's an old school way of thinking. You know, you go into professions that you know you're going to get a good living out of. And then there are people like me who are who are writing and <laughs> wow. yeah, living like the life. Lorenzo, you'll be an, you're an amazing and outstanding human being. I'm so glad you came in, and uh, I want to say hello to your dad too. Hey, Dad. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, now I got you talking. What's it like to have a son like this who's constantly amazing, isn't he? <laughs> it's been wonderful. Um, Lorenzo is an amazing human being. Uh, human being. He, he's a really gifted child. 
mom and I have just been uh, thrilled to have live music around the house. That's right. Uh, many hours. Not the a neighbors. Day. <laughs> many hours a day. Plus he's working on his book in Staten Island. Book and who knows what's going What's going? What's coming next? To shake my hand in amazement. Belle, what do you think? Well, I, I'm just really pleased and um, to have you both here. Uh, and uh, Lorenzo, you, you, you seem to me like such a like an old soul in a, in a new yeah. world, and, and you're a hardworking person. And uh, you've obviously done so much already in um, the past just handful of years. So I look forward to seeing what does come next, as you said, looking at, to the future. Maybe we can do some kind of follow up in five five something years. Absolutely, absolutely. or sooner. Two weeks from yeah. now. Uh, two weeks from <laughs> Anytime. Anytime. You're absolutely welcome here at Mutiny Radio. Um, the door is open, as as we would say. And now never having been here, but now having been here, a big difference is now you see how it rolls around here. If you want to write a radio drama, look at a radio drama, write a radio drama to be played by how many p- p- voices or something, four or five voices, we try that too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the oppor- the oppor- the uh, yeah the opportunities are are, are, are endless. endless. Perfect. <laughs> it's called doing more together than any of us can do on our own. Yeah, co- collaboration is okay. crucial. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe the next book will be about you know the people contributing to Muni Radio. It, it, like I said, it, you have to recognize local communities, and that that's what I'm doing with the Staten Island book. Okay, we have the That's exciting. And here at the beginning, you'd say people began to come together. The rest is history, 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 and what I call hipstery, which is the underground connections that we were making all the time. <laughs> so welcome aboard, Lorenzo. Yes. And, and so I guess I guess to close off uh, this little interview, I'll, I'll be playing two uh, final goodbye songs. Oh, beautiful. And uh, and. We'll, we'll see what I'll play. Not sure yet. <laughs> okay, I like that. That's what we like around here on the Common Thread. We never know what's going to happen next, and that's what keeps Craft things and interesting. <laughs> I make sure that too. <laughs> yeah, Dave. That's what we do. That's why we're here, right? Oh, yeah. We're here because we we like to open up um, our our minds, our our hearts, and our and our doors, and our microphones uh, to have artists come through, uh, share their vision in whatever format or medium that may be, whether it's in writing or uh, playing music or talking about things that are uh, important and. Um, I'm just really excited to have Lorenzo Lucchese here today, uh, our our young uh, wildcat, as they would call us at SI. (laughs) But you know, also, it's it's really cool to have um, uh, you know students coming out of that school that are pursuing uh, these creative uh, interests and creative uh, professions and and careers. and since uh, uh, it, I, I was featured in Genesis magazine several years ago, and I, the fe- well, I got a lot of feedback from that, saying, you know, I'm really glad that they were showing somebody who was doing something kind of different, right? <laughs> Formerly pirate radio station here, Mutiny Radio, not a pirate radio station anymore. We are streaming around the internet on MutinyRadio.fm, uh, but live here from San Francisco's Mission District. So I see Lorenzo is back up at the microphone on the line. stage. Oh yeah, Dave. Transcending all past categories, we welcome all cool folk. You know who you are. 
They listen. We welcome all cool folk out here in the cutting edge. And other things. And, and interesting thank God is to the social media, to this uh, to the magic of internet radio, here we are talking to you all around the planet. Uh, what can I say, man? Lorenzo! <laughs> take Lorenzo! It take it away, Lorenzo. To close off the show, I thought we'd do something a little more festive, reminiscent of the Midwest. out the barrels of fun <laughs> thank you Valor. great time what um and just as a real quick ending where when's the next time people could uh, catch your act oh or what well, best ch- best chances of, of catching your act well sometimes you can catch me around north beach but uh I, are you going to put contact information for me up on the website? I can do that. Yeah, go ahead and do that because, you know, a lot of these are private parties. Oh, sure. <laughs> to, to have the paparazzi show up. Uh, yeah, no, I know. you got to be careful about that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so uh, you know, tell your listeners they can give me a call anytime. Discount rates in San Francisco. If you say you called from Mutiny Radio, 
and then I'd be happy to show up and rail out a few tunes. Very cool. Well, you'll get the, make sure I have that information before you go, and we will we will spread the word. Yep, and as I said, the copies are available on Amazon, or you can support your local bookstores too if you live in the mission. Dog-eared books, full Adobe books, folio books, look for them. So cool. Lorenzo Lucchese, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy you're here today. Everybody appreciates you being here. And if you're looking out for these books, folks, uh, Lorenzo Lucchese, spelled Lucchese, L-U-C-C-H-E-S-I. An Italian after my own heart. My, my, my parents, or my San Francisco ancestors, we could say, started in North Beach um, about six generations ago, and uh, some of them became part of the Italian opera. So I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for uh, our, 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 our performer here and, um, and North Beach and uh, the music and the arts of our fine city. Um, you've been listening to Mutiny Radio here. We are the Common Thread Collective. So when you go to mutinyradio.fm, click on the podcast archive, you scroll and you see Common Thread Collective. And uh, today's podcast will be posted after 6 p.m. And today is January 11th, 2019. That's 111 to you and me, everybody. I'm Global Val. Um, let me play a little music for you uh, from some of our friends here in the Mission District called Mission Delirium because uh, we've had an upbeat day and they're going to keep us going.
তারি রুদ্রেশায় কত বোনের বদিন মরে তারি
Shun 